You are tired of average. You want more out of life. You know you're capable of something greater. This show will help you become resilient in your home, at work, and in your community. Welcome to the Resilient Humans Podcast with your host, Kevin Wood. Welcome back to the Resilient Humans Podcast. Yoo-hoo! And we're back. We're staying on schedule. We said we would. That's what we said last time. So it's got to happen again. All right. Today, uh, today's a nice day. We're recording this. It's mid-October. And it's like 20 degrees outside. Yeah, surprisingly. We went on a, a nice long walk last night with the dogs and, and the kid. And it was crazy. Like, didn't need a jacket. Does it feel like the seasons are shifting? Yes. Like, like by like a month, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. we're getting September this weather September. now. Which is less light. <laughs> Dark and warm. It was kind of weird last night out, out and about because the wind was blowing and it had that sort of Halloween-y feel, but the air was quite warm. Yeah. It was like a nice fall night. Yeah. Was, and the mosquitoes are still out. That's a crazy thing. I, I opened up my truck this morning to fill it with the, the stuff to come to work and a mosquito flew out. And I'm like, what the hell? Where are these coming <laughs> from? But the temperature is perfect for them. I guess they like it. All right. So we've been having a we've been having a good time with our clients recently. We've been getting a few new clients here at the gym mm-hmm. that are all interested in kind of changing either one or a few different aspects of their of their health, basically. And we consider health to be not just physical health, but also you know changing your nutrition and your mindset. And so we run into we'll call them walls, I guess, that people put up in front of them or around them. And we have to try to almost knock those walls down mm. or, and or help them over. Sure. Just to see a new, a new perspective, I guess, is what it is. Um, oftentimes we'll see people, I guess we don't see them because once they've come through the doors, they've already made that decision. But there's a lot of people out there that, and, and we kind of see it on the back end. Like we have a, on our website, we can see when people are kind of like poking around. Um, they're not quite ready. Like you had a guy just start. He just started today. Mm-hmm. He knew everything about the gym, about me. Like I was a level three CrossFit coach. Like he yep. knew it all. He's done his homework. Yes. Right? All of our Facebook posts. I mean, he, yeah, he knew exactly what was going on. But when he came in yesterday to sign up, he made that decision. But prior to that, he was, you know, kind of thinking and humming and hawing, right? And kind of doing his research, which is what people do. It's getting stuck in that research mode that, that kind of stops people from actually doing something and making a change. So this this podcast today, we're gonna be talking about why people don't change their lives. And so We've all known, we all have people in our lives that they've had a huge transformational change in their life. They've, you know, either lost a ton of weight or they switched careers or maybe they moved halfway across the country. Like I could not imagine that, but like that's a huge change or even move to a new country. And oftentimes we wonder, how did they do that? Do you have anybody in your life that had some type of huge change like that? Um, gee, well, my brother 
my brother Phil went across the country at a very young age, moved to out west and has moved to the States and actually to the UK as well and then back. Uh, and I think that's quite brave and admirable. And uh, yeah, I often wonder how he does it, to be honest. So we, we see that as, like you said, brave, courageous, mm-hmm. right? Like what was the, we, I often t- try to think, what was their thought process? What were they thinking? Was it because they wanted something new and different? Or was it because they're trying to get away from something bad and negative? Well, for him, it was something out there was better than what was here. So for him, it was uh, sort of a necessity piece. Okay. Um, He didn't want, I don't think he wanted to do that. He had, you know, some other options, but the most attractive one was unfortunately farther away from his family than he wanted. Uh, But he's done very well for himself. And uh, yeah. I, I tell him all the time how, how brave and wonderful he is, even, you know, 20 years later. He's, he's still rocking and rolling. So most people don't actually change their lives until not changing becomes the least comfortable option. Mm. And so, you know, the answer is why, why don't most people change their lives until it becomes uncomfortable? It's because that they've hit their breaking point, right? That's, that's what it takes for somebody to make a drastic change. They've reached a point where where not changing becomes kind of more uncomfortable than making the change itself. Mm-hmm. So they realize that the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. And so, yeah. that, you know, that, that translates into, you know, being stuck in a rut. Yeah. Hard when your comfort zone is not a comfortable place anymore. That's That's got to be hard on the head. So there's, I guess we have three reasons today of why you might not be ready to take that leap just yet. And the first one is that you're comfortable with the pain of staying the same. And that doesn't doesn't logically sound right. Right? It makes it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So there's a cool analogy. I, I heard this um it's a YouTuber. His name is Prince EA. It's like a one minute video clip. I, I encourage you to look it up. Prince EA, I think it's called the dog story. Uh, or why people don't change. And so the story goes, uh, there was a man. He went over to uh, talk to his friend. And he knocked on the door. And when he opened it up, he saw that inside there was a dog. And he was laying on the ground whimpering. And he goes, oh, h- how come your dog is whimpering? And the man goes, oh, uh, he's just sitting on a nail. He goes, oh, well, why doesn't the dog get up? Oh, because it doesn't hurt him bad enough yet. We all know those people in our lives that, you know, they're, they're going through something or they're in some type of pain, but they would just rather reposition themselves on the nail than actually get up. So really in essence, what they're looking for is relief, not just a cure. And that's what keeps people where they are. They just rather kind of like move around and, and see if they can find a new spot. Yeah. That can be dangerous. That can lead people to all kinds of uh, down all kinds of roads that we don't really necessarily want to see people go down. When you're masking pain, that can lead to you know numbing the pain with alcohol, drugs, food, too much sleep. I mean, gosh, I'm sure. Yeah, staying under the covers, right? You know, just yeah, wrapping up and just 
saying the heck with it, I'm done with this day or whatever it is. It can feel like you're solving your problem momentarily, but really you're just wrapping it up in a cozy blanket. So I like the word you use very specific words when describing that one was masking. The other mm. was numbing. Sure. And that's absolutely essential to, to differentiate between those two words and curing or relieving because what we're doing when we're coping with food, alcohol, drugs, sleep, procrastination, whatever it is, those aren't curing anything. They are literally masking. They're not relieving pain. They're masking the pain. That's It's two different things. So we really need to differentiate between the two. It might be that you feel good in the moment, but underneath it all, that pain is still there. It's not gone. You just put a little Band-Aid on top of it, and it's there very loosely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, as you said, oftentimes that Band-Aid solution that we're putting on is actually not a Band-Aid at all, right? It's actually causing more harm in the long run. Yeah. So it's like putting salt over your wound. You're like, oh, I'm going to cover up this wound I have with salt. <laughs> uh, that's not helping. Wait a minute. Things are worse all of a sudden because I procrastinated or had that drink or slept in or whatever it is. And, and I've noticed it too where it, some people just don't realize because they've lived with it for so long, the pain that they're currently in, it just becomes their new normal, right? They just, well, this is how I feel. And they don't know what feeling better actually feels like until they start feeling better, right? It's hard to get out of that cycle. It's hard to know that you're in that pain cycle sometimes. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes it takes um, some type of catalyst or change in order for you to feel different. Can be hard to see a way out of something, even especially if you're not sure what that thing is, or if you're not consciously recognizing it. It kind of it. We'll get we'll get into number two because the next one here is that you're afraid of what will happen if you make a change, and there's kind of two two ways that we can talk about this. One is that when you recognize that a change has to happen, regardless, you could have you know health concerns and your doctor says, you know, you're pre-diabetic or whatever it is, there's a, an amount of work that is involved in order to make a difference in that diagnosis, right? You have to actually go out and do something. Just getting the information, it's great, but it doesn't do anything. Information alone can't make a change. You actually have to use that information and then do something different. And the amount of work involved can create this sense of overwhelm and it almost, it it can sometimes paralyze people. It's just so much to do. Oh my God, where should I start? You know, I I just don't know where to begin. Yeah, we see that with, well, we see that with nutrition clients a lot and we also see it with people who come into the gym and have sort of been left to their own devices and don't really know what to do next. Like, what do I do? I could do almost anything really so how do I choose what's best and you know um, like you said with in going down the research mode that can go on too far right right it's people people get stuck behind the computer and they're like they're trying to figure out what's the best option for them and they're looking at all the options and they just yeah. you know it's like they can't decide yeah do one of them <laughs> do something 
Yeah. And then look some more. Doing something is better than reading about everything. <laughs> Literally, like it does. It doesn't matter in the in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Um, the other, the other kind of aspect to the afraid of making a change, is I I've actually worked with somebody in particular that was afraid of success. It wasn't yeah. the fear of failure. It was the fear of success. What if I lose all this weight and then I can't keep it off? That's looking so far into the future that, mm-hmm. that she forgets to look right in front of her. Like what is the next decision that you can make to yeah. get you closer to where you want to go without looking so far in advance, mm-hmm. you, you kind of get almost blinded by what's in front of you. Yep. And I would even argue that, you know, people would say, hey, what, what if I achieve this goal, then what? expectations are going to be even higher of me then what if I take the weight off and keep it off then I'm going to have to do something else then so that can be daunting again even farther in the future and I would argue a big waste of time worrying about it but you know it all comes down to how it's hard to make decisions when you're overwhelmed go back to what you just said those Mm. expectations don't just come from other people, but also from within, within yourself, yourself, right? Absolutely. You have these new expectations about yourself. And that's that's not necessarily a bad thing. I listened to a podcast recently. It was with a guy that uh, soloed unassisted across Antarctica. It took him 58 oh, days. What? No, like No drop zones, no food along the way. When he started going, um, his sled that he was pulling weighed over 300 pounds. Like it had all the food, everything, tent, you name it. Um, everything that he needed, fuel to, to like cook his food and to melt snow the whole way. So his, his sled kept getting lighter, but so did he <laughs> as he was going. He, his, um, in his Instagram handle, I can't remember his name, but in his Instagram handle it says Explorer. And you think about there's not much left of the world to explore. Like pretty much everything's been found except the deep depths of the ocean, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but after he completed that, then what? Like, that's crazy. <laughs> that's pretty crazy. He's the only guy in the world to do that. Do you think he now was what? walking across Antarctica thinking, oh my gosh, what if I actually complete this? Probably. Uh, he had to because see. he would die if he didn't. <laughs> yeah. I remember they, they talked about his training and, uh, they would freeze his hands. They would put his hands in ice cold water for like five minutes and then he'd have to tie knots. And he couldn't feel his fingers. Oh, wow. And they would do it blindfolded to mimic, you know, Darkness total whiteout or white yeah. in, in, in the, uh, in the Arctic. So anyway, that's, uh, but that's what I'm saying. He, he th- that's why it's, I'm saying it's not just a bad thing because he's now looking for that next thing. Like what's next. And he talked about that of, he wants to find out what his true potential is. We talked about this a long time ago about the book, The Comfort Crisis, and doing what's called a misogi. And it's for a misogi to be successful, it has to be something where there's a slight chance of failure that you're not going to complete it, but there is no risk of death. Right. Soloing Antarctica, there there's is a definite a risk, of- risk of death. <laughs> that's a high chance that that's going to happen. So obviously not for the everyday person, right? But signing up for a CrossFit program, there's some inherent risk in that. 
what if I don't perform well? What if I can't do all the movements? And now we know that we can take anybody in here, right? But even just having that idea, that that sense of risk, the sense, and you're not going to die when you come in here. Don't worry about that. <laughs> um, but that sense of risk is is useful, and it can help fuel you. And it then strive you strive to do the next thing, and we see that with people that do our level method. It's, you know, what happens if I lose some weight and I can now get a pull up? Cool. We're gonna great. Then we're gonna add weight <laughs> back if? to you. Yeah. <laughs> so then you do weighted pull ups. Right? <laughs> so there's we it's it can act as fuel, and I don't want it to come off as having these high expectations of success, and then what's next to be a negative. It, you can very much twist it and turn it into a positive because yes. it's like, wow, what could I accomplish? Man, that's powerful. What could I accomplish? I mean, you've, you've experienced a lot of, you know, go ruck events and Spartan races and stuff. Sure. Right. So doing a, I'll give you an, I'll use you as an example. Oh. You've done one of those like little fun runs here in town. Yeah. I think it was, mud, what was it, Mud Hero or oh, the Soap the, um, one? Oh, yeah, the Foam Fest ones. Foam Fest, that's Yes, it. my son and I do them. Right. Yeah. Would you consider that to be a fun event for you? Sure. Right. Yeah. Not fun. super challenging. No, just fun. But that would be super challenging for some people. Absolutely. Right? Mm-hmm. So what's your next thing? What would be more challenging than one of those fun runs? Oh, um lots of things a, a spartan race or a gold rock event for sure but even um, the smaller ones aren't as challenging, aren't as challenging. Right? so you're always looking f- we did a sprint and then i wanted to do a beast and there then i go. did a beast and then it was okay what's next and so that it's that's the fuel that's what keeps keeps us going mm-hmm. anyway love it in order to get to that point i mean this whole topic is why people don't change and one is that they're f- afraid of success, but that can fuel you to be more successful down the road. Mm-hmm. But we don't think about the later things. We think about the challenge that's currently in front of us and working away at that. Yeah. And then it opens you up to even more down the road. Especially anyway. after. I mean, yeah. <laughs> All right. Last one. You don't believe that you deserve it. And that could be happiness, success, um, whatever it is, love that you have this preconceived notion of this, this self-limiting belief that you just don't deserve it. And where do you think that belief comes from personally? Where do you think that comes from? Gosh, Kevin, that's a really thick question. (laughs) Uh, I think it's a lot of factors. I think it's definitely, I'm sure it's many factors, you know, your upbringing, where you came from, your support systems, um, the things that you credit yourself with or take away from yourself with what your own personal self-confidence level is. Uh, I think it can have a lot of factors for sure. I think you're right about the, the upbringing that Mm -hmm. definitely has a lot to do with it. Mm -hmm. Um, different challenges that were put in front of you, you know, growing up. Um, you know, we've talked about this with, there's the example of there's, there's, uh, two brothers and their dad was an alcoholic. One brother became an alcoholic. The other brother became super successful and multimillionaire. Right. They had the same upbringing, but what was the difference? One decided to 
be yeah. better. And it, that boils down to one had a fixed mindset and one had a growth mindset. Whereas the fixed mindset, it's this is the way it has been and this is the way it's gonna, going to continue to be. Versus a growth mindset, I can choose to remove myself from this situation. As we started this podcast, when you mentioned your brother, right? he saw that there was an opportunity for growth elsewhere. Was that going to cause some discomfort in choosing to do so? Yes. Yeah. Moving away from friends and family and everything that was built up around him at the start. Did it pay off in the long run? Yes. So you have to go through some discomfort in order for there to be growth and change and success in the long run. So. But if you don't believe you deserve it, there's probably some other work that needs to be done in conjunction with that. We're going to go over that. Okay, good. That's a good, good segue into the, uh, the action items. <laughs> okay. As we continue to say, this podcast is about doing, making things actionable. So we're going to give you kind of three steps uh, to help overcome that, to make, not to make you, but to influence you to want to make a change. <laughs> the first one sounds ridiculous based on what I just said, but it's you actually have to decide. You have to make a decision that a change is necessary. A change has to happen. Now we talked earlier about, you know, it might, people haven't hit their breaking point. We talked about the dog kind of repositioning itself. But as soon as you make a decision that this is it and I'm going to make a change, that's step one. If that step is skipped, it's not going to happen. And prime example is a few people that I've uh, helped with quitting smoking. Oh. I had to ask them at first, do you want to? Because if the answer is no, if they didn't want to, then nothing I say or do is going to make a difference. That's right. And so do you want to make a change? If the, the answer is a true 10 out of 10 yes, now we can get, get to work. Now we can start talking. But if you haven't made that decision, if you haven't truly committed to that uh, choice, it's, it's gonna, you're going to fail. And maybe that's part of the, that self-limiting belief that kind of cycle that people go through, I kind of decided mm. it didn't work, so I'm not going to bother trying again. Yeah. Right? Or, yeah. Or I, I'm not, that's not going to work out for me. Or they just keep trying other things, but only for like two, three minute. weeks at a mm -hmm. time. And it's, you know, which diet works? The one that you actually stick with. Right? <laughs> right. It's not, there's not one diet that's, perfect for you. It's, it's the one that you actually stick with and work. Okay. So step one is decide. Step two is start small. And so it's taking these large, massive habits that you think you want to change and really honing in and breaking it down into very, very small habits. So Ingrid, if somebody comes to you and says, I want to overhaul my diet, my whole nutrition is crap. <laughs> what do you say? Uh, well, first I would probably get them to focus on what they're actually doing right because there's probably something. Yes. We <laughs> focus on bright spots. Yes. Uh, but then I would have them choose one focus point, something that was probably within their, the grasp of success for them, something that's going to boost their confidence 
and uh, something that's going to make them believe that they're worthy of what they're going after and and be more willing to go after something else afterwards. Yeah, oftentimes we talk about this sometimes where it's not what's the worst thing that's happening mm-hmm. and let's change that. It's what are you doing okay with and how can we make that better? That creates momentum and momentum creates motivation to create more actions down the road. It's a it's a neat little loop. Oftentimes people start with the motivation and if they're not motivated, then the action doesn't happen. You right. have to start with the start action, with the action, be successful, creating motivation, and then you're ready for the next action. That's where the, the loop starts. Yeah. But it definitely is in starting small. We, I think we talked about this last time, the overhaul diet and that. Right. All or nothing. Change everything. Mm. Throw out, burn the kitchen down and start from scratch. That's not going to work very well, right? Or if it did, you'd still be doing it. Right. right? So you'd be, oh, I did keto and it worked really well. Why aren't you still doing it? Because it didn't work. Because it didn't work for it, you. It wasn't long lasting. It wasn't sustainable right? or, yeah. So if it didn't work, if it only worked for two months, chances are it's not going to work for longer than two months if you try it again. Right. right? You have to do something that'll, that'll stick. But that starts with starting small. Third step for changing or decide after you decide to change your life is I think this is people don't recognize this as a value or valuable and that's seeking help or support that can come in many different ways it could be hiring a professional uh, a coach that that kind of guides you through this uh, it could be having an accountability buddy it's a new word I love that word. Accountability buddy. Yeah. <laughs> write it out. It's fun to, it's fun to write. <laughs> <laughs> Accountability buddy. Uh, so having somebody in your corner is one of the most underrated things that you could do. And again, it could be a coach, a friend, somebody at home. If you don't have somebody, if you feel like you're going at it alone, you're much less likely to succeed. That's just from data. Like, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. When people are lonely, yeah, it just, there's no extra push, I guess. Right. When you don't have push, it's nice to have somebody in your corner that's going to help you out and give you that little kick. Isn't that why CrossFit Moncton is successful is because of the people that push? I had, okay, boom. I had Robin in class yesterday. She was all set up. Oh my gosh, that's right. (laughs) She's all set up for this workout. And I'm like, what are you doing? She goes, oh, I'm doing the, the orange workout. I'm like, why? Well, because I can't do the other thing. Yeah, but you can do some of the other stuff. Oh. And so I, I just made her change the whole workout completely. <laughs> so she didn't do the one thing, mm-hmm. but she did the other four things and ended up being successful with it to the exact rep, like yeah. right on the nose. And were there tears afterwards? Absolutely, <laughs> on both parts. But man, if if she would have just been on her own, first off, she wouldn't have done either of those workouts, <laughs> right. let, let alone the harder one. But it was that push from me that helped her see that there was a sliver of possibility that she could be successful. And because of that relentless coaching and support and help, she was able to achieve success on that, on something that she thought was 
wildly out of reach. But that's the power of a coach. They can show you that success is possible. And it's, it's that's, that's the power of a coach. And so that's all, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> well, it's nice to be able to see things from a coach's perspective that other people aren't quite able to see. You see people's potential and you recognize in it, it, that in them, even sometimes when they don't. But from an athlete's perspective, it's super valuable to have that person in your corner. Absolutely. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Again, thank you for listening, sharing, and kind of telling your friends about this podcast. We really appreciate the the reach that you're helping us get on this. And if you need a coach, feel free to reach out. We'd be happy to help in any of the areas uh, of fitness, nutrition, and mindset. Uh, Ingrid and I are both looking for clients. We're willing to take some. So if that's you, just reach out and we'll, uh, we'll get you set up. We'll have a little chat. All right, we'll talk next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest episodes, be sure to subscribe and I'll see you next time.